There's a verse in James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him or her ask of God, and God who gives generously, and it will be given to them. And so I got thinking about that verse. That verse says that if God, if you need wisdom, ask God and he'll give it to you. And so I got thinking about some of the areas that we as a body of people need wisdom. Maybe you have an investment opportunity in front of you and you're not sure whether or not to use it or take it or put money into it. Whether you should go on a date with somebody that has asked you. Or if you're a dad, whether you should let your daughter go on a date with somebody who has asked her. A great career opportunity has come up, but that means you're going to have to move your family. What do you do about that? Your family's growing. You need more room. Should you get a new house? Which house? Should we take on a bigger mortgage? I don't know. Like, like what do we do about this situation? I'm not sure what to do with my life. I want to make a decision about my future and what I should do and how I should use my time and my gifts. I'm just not sure what that should be. Should we have another child? I know that I want to go to university or college, but which one? I don't know which one is the best one for me to go to. I'm sure that, that I have what it takes to keep trying in this marriage, or I'm not sure I have what it takes to keep trying in this marriage. Should I end it? There's a huge issue at work, and it's upsetting people. Should I make a stand as a Christian, or is this something I should be quiet on? Which, which route is God calling me to take? What's the wise thing to do in this situation? I don't think that an employee is doing the right job. I've tried to help and resource and encourage them, but nothing changes. Is it time for me to fire them? Big decisions. I'm pretty sure that I love this person, but marriage is a big step. Am I ready for marriage? Should I marry that person? I can retire soon, but should I retire? When should I retire if I do retire? My parents are getting older and need to move out of their house, but they don't want to move. Should I step in and move them, or should I just leave them where they are? I know I can't move further ahead in my job with more education, but money's tight, and it'll be a big sacrifice. We have kids, or we don't have kids, but it's still going to be tight. Should I go back to school? They're the kind of questions that shape our lives, and Psalm 32, verse 8 as a, a, is kind of the Old Testament version of James chapter 1, verse 5, and where, where through David, God promises, I will, I will, I will, I will, it is a promise, I will instruct you, and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And if you read the rest of the, before that psalm, he talks about having, been, he was in sin and hiding it from everybody and God, but when he finally repented and turned back to God, this promise God gave him, even though he had been broken and, and wandering the wrong way, when he came back, God says, hey, don't worry, I'll instruct you and I'll teach you and I'll counsel you and watch over you. So, so I am to understand from Scripture that when we need wisdom, when we need God to guide us, when we need him to lead us, that God will give us the wisdom, give us the guidance, give us the leading that we need. The question is, so how does he do that? Last week we talked about how God's, that God speaks to us. This week we're going to talk about, well, how? How do I know when God is speaking to me? How does God speak? In um, a couple of years before my dad died, I had the, Crystal and I had the privilege of taking him to um, Newfoundland. That's where he grew up. 
And there's a picture of Newfoundland, the island, and Labrador above. And right where that arrow is is called the Straits of Belle Isle. That's the, the strait between Labrador and Newfoundland. And my dad grew up in a, um, you can't see it real clearly on the screen, but at the tip of that arrow is kind of like the last, kind of like the top northernmost part of the island of Newfoundland, that part. And uh, he grew up in a lighthouse, and his family were lighthouse keepers, and they were one of the many lighthouses along the Straits of Belle Isle that would guide ships that were going through. And I remember standing, looking at the Straits of Belle Isle, and it's not, you can see the, on a clear day, you can see the other side. So a ship coming there in the night would need those lighthouses. And as we, Dad and I were talking, one of the lighthouses, the light came across, and you could see it very clearly, even though it was light out, you could see the light come across. It was that powerful. And I got thinking, well, that's kind of cool. You come through here in the night, and the lighthouses keep you on track, not going off into the rocks. And then it occurred to me, well, what happens if it's foggy? What happens if you can't see the lighthouse? And so I asked my dad, well, what happens in the fog? Because they get fog there. And uh, what happens to the ships? What, do they just anchor and wait the fog out? What happens? And he said, no. The navigator uh, of the ship will have charts. And on those charts are located all the lighthouses that are through the Straits of Belle Isle. And there's times stamped on them. And it tells you the time when which lighthouse will sound off. You know, the... You know that sound from the lighthouse? It gives the actual times per minute when that lighthouse will sound off. Or per hour, I'm not sure what it was, but the time is... So if you are in a fog and can't see anything, all you have to do when you're in there is listen for the sound of the lighthouse, look at the time, and you know where that lighthouse is. And if that lighthouse is really, really, really loud, you're in trouble. But if you're out in the middle, it's not quite as loud. And they sound off. And you can't have just one lighthouse because if you move away from the lighthouse you hear, you can move onto the rocks on the opposite shore. So you need several different lighthouses. And those massive ships would go through that strait in the middle of fog when they couldn't literally see their hand above their face and make it safely through by listening to the sounds and the times, and in order to put them right dead in the middle of the channel. Wow, that was pretty cool. Something's pretty ingenious. Now, we get into situations like I just named and read off, where we're in a fog about what we should do in our lives. What direction should we go? What decision we should make? How do we handle this issue that's come up in our family? We're in a complete fog. And yet, God speaks to us, and I like to think of his voice when we're in a fog like foghorns, because he speaks to us in different ways, and these foghorns give us guidance about how we should move ahead when we are unsure, when we were in a fog. And you don't just listen to one, because if you listen to one, you, move, you can move onto the rocks of the opposite shore. You have to listen for the various foghorns at different times in order to get God's guidance in your life. But the issue often with us is we have not learned how to listen to God. We have not learned how he speaks. And even though we might know how he speaks, we haven't actually learned how to interact with the voice of God, the foghorn of God in our lives. And if you're going to get guidance from God, 
Listening, listening requires learning. We have to learn not only how he speaks, but to experience what it's like when he is speaking to us, because that is how we grow. Learning, or rather listening, requires learning. Listening for the voice of God requires us to learn how to hear him and how to follow him. Now, I want to talk about those first, those five uh, foghorns that God uses. They're very common. They're not unusual. Um, in fact, um, if you recognize, if you're familiar with Alpha, Nikki Gumbel, who is the main speaker in Alpha, has a whole session on these five common foghorns. He doesn't call them foghorns. I do. He calls them the five CS ways, the common ways God speaks. Now, Alpha is a... Um, is a program that helps people understand who Jesus is and why he came and how we need to respond. And so we have actually been running Alpha here for a number of years, but since uh, COVID started under Mike Ewis and Dennis Sharon, the, the Alpha has been online and we have seen a number of people put their faith in Jesus Christ through going through Alpha. And this, this fall, Mike was just telling me, he, they're going to be having alpha, both hopefully in-person alphas, but also online alphas. And so I want to just take a time out here, and I want to challenge you as you're interceding for your my four, maybe this is something you can invite them to. The people you're asking God to say, God, use me to reach that person, maybe this is what you should invite them to. The Alpha, if, if you want to be part of the church-wide Alpha, there's three that are going to be happening at different times as well as one online. Or maybe you want to do it as a life group. Some of our life groups last year, they all got together, prayed, asked their my four, and whoever responded, they did, as a life group, they did Alpha uh, online and used the, the material. And some have used it one-on-one, -on -one, just with their friends. In fact, I'm, I'm with my two sisters, two of my three sisters doing Alpha right now. One lives in PEI, and one lives in Washington State, and I live here in Toronto, and the three of us meet regularly and go through Alpha together. So why not be asking God, oh God, is there one of them, my four, do, should I invite them to this? You might be shocked as you pray, you might be just shocked how many people will say yes. I was shocked when I asked. Anyway, Nikki Gumbel talks about these five uh, common ways that God speaks to us, the five foghorns that I was telling you about. And the first one is a compelling spirit. See, this compulsion within us that God is speaking to us. Now, this isn't anything that doesn't come out of Scripture. We have the Scriptures on the back screen as well, so I can... Uh, nope, then I will just read them right here. Oh, there they are. Uh, those who, in, in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 5... Um, Paul writes, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. The flesh is that sinful nature that is natural within us. And if you live according to the flesh, your sinful nature, that's what you're listening to. That's what guides you. That's what influences you. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, and the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in the fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself 
testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So you get the, the person by the flesh is controlled and influenced by the flesh, but the person who's living by the spirit, who's seeking God and praying to God and walking with God, they are influenced by the spirit. In fact, the spirit testifies to them. The spirit speaks to their spirit about things that he wants us to know. And in John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so there is this sense in which God actually speaks into our spirits. Just let that settle for a second. There are times when you will hear within your soul. Just like uh, is described to us by Elijah, God whispers to us, whispers to you. Uh, E.Y. Uh, e. Jones, if I could have that quote, please, said, or E.S. Jones said, the voice of the subconscious argues with you, trying to convince you, but the inner voice of God does not argue or try to convince you. It just speaks and it is self-authenticating, and it has the feel of the voice of God. That is the testimony of saints from all eras, from all centuries, including our own, that when God speaks, we know that he is speaking to us. We just know that it is his voice. Now, having said that, we do have to be careful at times. Remember I said, if you only listen to one foghorn, you're going to go on the rocks on the opposite shore. And this is with this foghorn. If this is all you listen to, it is easy to misunderstand the voice of God. There are times, well, I have made, the, one of the biggest mistakes I made in ministry was believing God had spoken to me and forgetting that both the flesh, as Paul said, and Satan speak to influence us. Do you remember Satan trying to influence Jesus with Scripture? He hasn't stopped that. Sometimes he uses scripture, which is what happened to me, and I made a decision based upon, without authenticating or listening to the other foghorns, and I made a mistake. And I had a youth leader, his name was Jan Stacy, uh, still is his name, and he, uh, when I was a young adult, and he, he said, you know, when he listens, he, he knows God speaks to his spirit, but he said, when I hear or get a sense that God is speaking to me, and he would pray about all kinds of things, whether he should buy a car or move or, or you know, deal with his children or a decision at church. Like he, was, he would deal with, he would pray about all these things. And he would say, whenever, if I ever got a sense that God was speaking to my spirit, I always tested it. And I tested it by waiting a week or two. And I have found, and many others I've read have said the same thing, the, the, when, when, it's, when a, something, a message is in your heart, this compulsion, this prompting in your spirit is in your heart, and if you're not sure about it, if you wait, that, if it's the voice of God, it stays strong and consistent through that time of waiting. If it's the voice of the flesh or the voice of the evil one, it wavers and falls and starts to get confusing. And so maybe you have right now something, a prompting that the Spirit of God is putting on you and you're thinking about acting on it and I would say listen, but also test that voice to ensure that it is the voice of God. 
And one of the ways you test it is with time, but another way is by listening to other foghorns. And so one foghorn is a compulsion in your spirit, but another is convicting scripture. Now this by far to me is the most important of all of them. The convicting scriptures, the the clarity of when I'm in the word and God lifts a verse or a passage and speaks to me about that passage. Uh, Here, just let me read some um, verses about that. There's many of them in the scriptures, but I just want to mention a few, especially Psalm 119. If you read it, it's the whole psalm. It's massive. Biggest psalm in in the, the psalm book. And it's all, every verse, except for two, have the word of God or a a similar equation to that in it. And and verse 24 says, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Counselors for what? For all the things that David would face as a king and as a person, just like you would face as a person. Maybe you're not a king, maybe you're not a queen, but you're still a person and you still need counsel. And that's why James said, ask him. That's why David said in 32, God directs and guides, it's a promise. And so he reemphasizes here, your statutes are how you give me counsel. I'm in them all the time and they constantly guide me in the decisions I need to make. In verse 66, he says, Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I trust your commands. So he's saying, I go into your commands, and I will get knowledge and good judgments about the things I need to make decisions about in my life, about the issues I have to deal with. I go to your word, and your word gives me insight and gives me direction. In verse 169 of Psalm 119, may my cry come before you, Lord, Give me understanding according to your word. And so he's saying, I go into God's word in order to get understanding for the issues that I cry out to him about. Now you think about what issues do you cry out to God? We ask God a lot of things. But what are the things you cry out to him? You cry out for your family. You cry out when you're in trouble or somebody else is in trouble. You cry out when you're in desperate need. And he goes, I go into the word then because then God speaks to me. Convicting scriptures are one of the clearest foghorns you will ever have and ought to be the first place we look for guidance from God. I remember a pastor, uh, I heard him preaching. He was one of my favorites. And uh, he was telling a story, and I could relate to it. Uh, he was telling a story where he, in, the, in their church, they were dealing with an issue, and he felt that he had God's guidance and, and he knew what he was supposed to do, but he knew that if he did what he thought God was asking him to do, there would be some significant leaders and people that would oppose him, be upset with him if he made this decision the way he thought God was telling him to make this decision. And so he was, he was just wrestling with this for weeks. He was going back and forth trying to find some sort of compromise where he wouldn't have to uh, make that decision that he knew God wanted to make and then upset everybody. Maybe he could come up with a compromise that could deal with it. Until finally one morning in his devotions, he was reading Galatians chapter one, and Paul was saying, if I do what man wants and I don't preach the gospel, then I'm a man pleaser and I'm not pleasing God. And he said it was as if God spoke to him in that moment. You are a man pleaser and you're not willing to please me and you need to do what's right. He said, not only did I get the direction about where I was supposed to go, I was convicted about an area of my heart that I was falling down and I was a man pleaser. So that's the power of the word of God. 
And so if you're, no, here's a little bit of pastoral advice for you. You're going to have issues where you, you, in your life where you're going to need direction. You're in a fog. You don't know what to do about it. You've got decisions you need to know. If, you don't, if you're regularly in the Word, day in, day out, you're constantly in the Word, guess what you're doing? You're putting yourself in a place where God can speak to you. And so God does speak, often. But if you're not in the Word regularly, like you're in, oh God, I need help, I need help, and then life goes on, you're out, you're out, you're out, and the next one, oh, I need help, I need help. You're not learning to listen to God. And maybe that's why you don't hear him because listening requires learning. And if you're not consistently listening to God in your life through the word of God and prayer, then don't be surprised when, the, when, the, when you're in the fog, you don't know how to hear his voice. And you missed your opportunity to hear from him. Of course, God is kind of kind of compassionate and loving and even when we fail that way and we call on him often he still answers but if only we were consistent in our pursuit of him our answers would come so much easier and we would understand them so much clearer so we have that that foghorn of that compulsion god spoke to me and i need to do this and then we have the foghorn of the convicting scriptures and then we have the council of the saints the council now this is i think the gift of guidance that we, uh, I know I can say, I, I, I know this is true of me, but I think it's true of all of us. This is the gift that we use the least. The way of fools seems right to them. <laughs> when a person's being foolish, you know when you're talking to somebody and you try to tell them, like, this is really dumb what you're doing and they just can't see it? The way of fools seems right to them. Because they think they're right. But the wise listen to advice. Uh, there's three types of people in Proverbs. If you do a study of Proverbs, there's the wise, there's the foolish, and there's the evil. And what, what designates all three of them, the evil person, they seek to harm. You cannot trust them because their heart is broken and they will seek to harm. They will seek to use whatever they can for their good and will likely hurt you in the process. It's one type of person in Proverbs, one type of person in our world. The second type of person is the fool. The fool are often good people. You and I act foolish. In fact, we all have foolishness bound up in our hearts when we're born into this world. That's what Proverbs says. And it's the rod of discipline, which parents, if you have children, it's discipline that drives foolishness out. Be careful. You don't neglect the ministry of love called discipline. And the thing that designates fools are they, they always, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Whenever you tell them something, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You don't need to tell, I got it, I got it, I got it. I know, I know, I know. And then there's the wise, and the wise listen. They may not agree with you, but they listen because they always know they want to learn. In verse 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Wise people go to wise people to get advice. I kind of live this. Um, I, you know, I, I'd like to think sometimes I'm among the wise. <laughs> Experience says I'm a little too much among the foolish. And certainly when I was younger, I leaned more heavily to the foolish than I did the wise. And 
So I was uh, thinking about going to ministry. I had three years of Bible school under my belt, and I was ready to go into ministry. I knew it. I was ready to go. And uh, I was going to just learn as I went along. You know how all the good people do. They, they, they learn. They get into it, and they learn. And Crystal's dad uh, came to me, and I had just started. Maybe Crystal and I were dating for about a year. And Crystal's dad came to me and said, you know, Ed, you should finish university, get your degree, and go to seminary. I think he said that because he'd been under some pastors who had learned as they went along. <laughs> and uh, he said to me, you really should go to university, like finish your Bible school, get your degree, and then go get your master's at seminary. I was so stinking mad at him. Like, who is he to tell me where I, where I should go and how I should spend? I'm ready for ministry. God has called me to ministry. I'm going to ministry. And who is he? And so I immediately responded like that. Fool. Foolish response. Because I didn't listen. But then, thankfully, over time, oh, the next couple days, Crystal and I talked about that. And I came to realize that that was actually wise. And so I did. I went and finished my degree and I went to get my master's. And now, looking back, I did not have the capacity, which is just a nice way to say I was too dumb to learn on my... I would have destroyed churches. I would have destroyed myself. I would have destroyed my family without the, the preparation and the input and the guidance and the knowledge that I gained through the studies. That preparation has Help me to persevere and to last and minister. I would never have lasted if I went with that foolish plan I had if it wasn't for the wisdom of a wise counselor. And you may be facing a decision, and one of the greatest gifts you, had, you have around you is wise parents or wise spouse or wise child or wise teacher or wise youth leader or wise pastor, or wise elder, or wise friend, and why are you not going to talk to them about this issue? And I'm going to guess it's because you're being foolish. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. No, I know. The wise person seeks out and listens to. You may not do what they tell you to do, but go listen for understanding. Okay, another foghorn, uh, the fourth foghorn. So we got a compelling spirit. God speaks in this whisper, this prompting that is from within. God speaks clearly through his word when we're in prayer and seeking God in his word. He speaks through the counsel of the saints. And then uh, circumstantial signs. Now, this is the tricky one. And unfortunately, this is the one I often hear the most. Well, it's working out. I have a piece about it. Therefore, it's from God. I can't tell you the number of girls. Now, I, I, this is going to sound a bit pejorative, but it's, it is true. The number of girls when I was in Bible school who would get up when they were giving their testimony and say, I came for my MRS degree. So they were there to find a husband. And you would see this happen all the time. Girls and guys would kind of meet. They'd start dating for a couple months, and then he'd pull out the ring and start throwing jewelry. And the thinking was, well, he asked me to marry him. It must be from God. 
And all of the friends are going, you might want to wait on this one. There's other fish in the sea. Just because something works out doesn't mean it's from God. Or just because something doesn't work out doesn't mean it isn't from God. For those of you that were here uh, 10 years ago when I first came, you'll recall that when we moved from Strathroy to Stouffville, our house did not sell. I mean, surely if God was in it, our house would have sold. In fact, it was a full year, almost a full year before our house sold. Can you imagine? You guys don't even understand that. You live around here. You know, you waited a year to sell your house? Man, what was wrong with you? Well, that was the market there. And for a year, and so clearly we must have made a mistake moving from there to come to pastor here. No. In fact, that wait was a time of Crystal and I learning to trust God when we saw no way out and he wasn't working the way we thought he should be working. It was a test. So you have to be careful what you do with the circumstances. But if God wants you to do something, he will work out the consequences for you. God works out consequences when you start following the path and following him. But be careful. If that's your only foghorn, I guarantee you, you run a 50-50 chance of rinding up on the rocks because it's so easy to read into circumstances things that aren't there or to feel peace about circumstances uh, because we don't really even know the consequences of our decision or some information about that decision, so we feel total peace about it. Now, the final foghorn, so we have the compulsion, the spirit, the convicting scriptures, we have the council of saints, we have, you know, the circumstantial signs that, that things that seem to point that God is leading us in, in a direction, and then we have the final one, which may surprise you a little bit, and it's just common sense. I can't tell you the number of times I have made a decision. When I've worked through all those other four, and I've sought God, and I've sought counsel, and I've listened for God speaking to me, and, and I've watched the circumstances, and nothing. And I've walked through the process, and then it got to the point where it was like, you know what? I've been waiting on God and seeking him, and this just seems like the wisest thing to do next. Now, I have made some of my biggest decisions in life based upon common sense. And you just said to yourself, well, that explains a lot right there, doesn't it? But how often, when we seek God, God leads us to what is wise. I've decided to marry Crystal. I don't know if you remember that decision when you were getting married, but when somebody, you're going to ask, guys, you're going to ask somebody to marry you, and, and you're not, sh you're, you're like, I'm not sure. Like, like, I was sure about her, but I wasn't sure that this was the time, and, and well, was she the right person? And then I just start, you know, like, the, just spiraling downward. Like, I, is this, and, you know, I was beginning to wonder if this is the right thing. And I went through the process, and I talked, and, I, and then finally I got to the point where I go, you know what, God, this 
this is not only what I want, but this, she's a great girl. Like, what am I thinking? I'm never going to get somebody this nice again. I'm just going to go ahead and marry her. And I, and, and I made the same choice about seminary, where we went to seminary in Dallas, Texas. There are lots of seminaries we go to, but I really felt led to that. But I didn't have any voice of God saying, yes, get ye up and go to Dallas. I didn't have that. I was just like, I think this is the wise thing to do. And so we made that decision and did it. And when it came to every church, you would think if God is going to speak to a pastor, it would be when he's moving them to a new church. Uh-uh. Every church that I have gone to for ministry came down to, I've sought God, I've sought counsel, I've been in the word, I've been listening for God's voice in me, I, I'm looking at the circumstances and how they work out, and every single time it came to, this seems to be the best, wisest next step. And I based it on a prayer that comes out of Proverbs. Commit your way to the Lord and he will bring it to pass. Commit your way to the Lord means you've been seeking God's mind and heart on this and you've come to a point where you're just going to trust God that this is the right thing to do. And the best thing. And if it isn't, you're asking, God, I commit this to you. My prayer was always, God, I think this is the right thing to do. I'm going to move forward, but if I'm wrong and I'm misunderstood, would you shut it all down? And he did that one time to me. I was going to, I was in the final uh, time of candidating at a church in London, and it was a fabulous church. I, I, I was surprised they would even think to, to ask me to come and be their pastor, but I was excited about it. It was a fantastic church, had fantastic ministry, and I, was, I went to a meeting with their, with their elders board and walked out, and it was just felt so right, and I'm driving home, and then there's this disquiet in my spirit, and, and this was the time the Spirit of God spoke to me, go back and tell them you're not coming. And I struggled with that. And I had committed this step to the Lord. And then his voice, go back and tell them you're not coming. And I went back and I had total peace after I said no to the very thing I wanted most. See, sometimes you get to the point and you do what's next and you trust it to God and he goes, okay, shutting it down. You can trust him to do that. But often it's just, it's to the point where you have sought God, sought his foghorns, and then you come to a point where you need to make a decision in which you trust God, common sense. Now, why is it that way? Why doesn't God just say, you know, Ed, go to this church. Don't go to that church. Why, why doesn't he say, marry that person. Make this decision about your investments. Do this with your children. Do this to, you know, why doesn't God just show up and speak in an audible voice or dreams or vision like he does to other people? And God does at times speak in an audible voice and dreams and, and visions, a vision of a, an angel coming to you. But usually that is with people who have a specific kind of spiritual gift. My experience, I've never had God speak audibly. I've never had a vision, and I've never had a dream where it was from God. And I think that's fairly common. Because outside those with those special spiritual gifts that God seems to use that way to speak to them, for the majority of us, in my experience, is that we use these foghorns. And I thought, well, why? It'd be a whole lot easier, God, if you just spoke clearly. Like, well, he does speak clearly. If you just spoke audibly. And this is what I've discovered. Yes, it would be easier for you, but it also wouldn't make you grow. 
<laughs> that it is the times that I was seeking God through these foghorns and leaning on God and seeking him and into his word and getting advice from other people and thinking about the situation and understanding and talking in prayer about the circumstance. It's those times that we grow deeper. We grow deeper. We don't really grow when somebody tells us, I don't think we'd grow at all, hardly at all if we heard God say verbally, yeah, um, do this, do that, do this, do that, do that. We become dependent on God in the wrong way because God made us to be people of character and depth and knowledge and understanding. We wouldn't have any of that if he made it easy for us all the time. And the beauty of seeking God through these ways is we have a deeper love for him after we've gone through it. So, are you facing in this situation you need to make a decision? Well, the five foghorns that I just talked about to you are guidelines of how you can hear God speak. But you have to learn to listen. Listening requires learning. You have to practice these in your life, and then you will become familiar with the voice of God in your life so that you will actually find him speaking to you a lot more than you ever thought he does. But listening requires learning. So you got a decision you need to make? Why don't you take these five foghorns and start working through them? I know you don't remember them, but you can get this online, and so you can copy them down. You go, oh, okay, that's a good idea. Too bad I didn't write some of this stuff down. Oh, you can get it online, and you, you know that. Or maybe you have been trying to listen to God. Well, maybe what he's trying to do is teach you depth, and so you need to expand on what you're doing. You need to go to somebody else and listen to them. You need to get deeper in your word. Sometimes my experience isn't that every time, oh, I got a problem, I'm going to go to the word. Oh, first time, boom, God gave it to me. It happens sometime. But usually it's a time of seeking and understanding, and the more desperate I become for an answer, it's amazing how much more desperate I become in my prayer, which is amazing then how much I grow in my faith. And so persevere. And I would just say one more thing, uh, and I just want to end here, is that maybe you're sitting here or listening, and, and you are not even sure, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're not, even, you're not sure what you're in a fog about whether you should follow Jesus or not, whether he's worth following. Am I supposed to make this decision? They keep talking about you know, repenting and putting my faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. I'm not even sure what that means. I'm not sure I want to do that. And you're kind of working through. Well, these five things can help you. I mean, l listen for God speaking to you. Get into his word and start reading it. Like in, in the book of John, uh, go to other people you know are followers of Jesus and ask them about what this is. Watch the circumstances in your life and go, is somebody up there leading me as I'm going through? It's amazing how many people say, God had led me to this point. And then ask yourself, what makes sense after I've sought God? What makes sense? Because Jesus calls every one of us to make that decision. What's yours going to be? We'll use these guidelines as a way to come to a wise decision. Let's pray together. Father, um, we, we tend to fall into two ditches uh, on this. We tend to think, oh, God doesn't speak at all in our world today. 
and so we don't even look for you. Or we, we try to um, take your voice and hearing you and turning it into wild and wonderful things that just aren't even true, and it turns into a bit of a show. Help us to understand from the Word of God how you speak to us. Grow us in our understanding and ability to hear your voice. Deepen us in our love for you so that we can reflect that love in our worship back to you. And grant us a deeper understanding and, and save us from some of the issues we are facing and decisions we have made. Save us from our own foolishness. Save us from bad decisions. Save us from making wrong choices and setting wrong courses in our life. Grant us the faith to believe that when we seek you, you will give wisdom generously without finding fault. And when we seek you, it will be given to us. 